Hello listeners, would you consider buying me a cup of coffee? I hope you would. Through the link Buy Me a Coffee, which I've added recently to my show notes, you can support Homeschooling Matters and you can also support my blog Chronicles of an Outnumbered Mom on WordPress. You can do so by simply buying me a cup of coffee for $5 or several cups of coffee for up to $25. Your support can be a one-time support or it can be monthly. You choose. Whatever you do, I'll appreciate it and I'll be grateful. I hope to continue bringing you content that's invaluable as I've been told that this content is that will keep you motivated and encouraged on this journey called homeschooling as well as your parenting journey. So if you'd consider buying me a cup of coffee, just click on the link below and follow the instructions. Thanks again. Hello listeners and welcome once again to another episode of Homeschooling Matters where we talk about matters pertaining to homeschooling as well as the value of homeschooling. And like I always say, because as homeschooling parents, we spend a lot more time with our children than the average parent who works outside of the home, we will be discussing some parenting matters as well. Now, so for the past maybe three, two interviews or three, we have been talking about the children that have different struggles or challenges. We've been talking about children with special needs. And today, on today's episode, we're going to be talking with uh, Michelle Foreman. She is actually a fitness instructor, a homeschooling mom of one son, um, has been homeschooling for just about three years now. She's an autism advocate. So that's right. We're going to be talking about autism today. She's actually the founder of a page called The Autism Spirit, where she supports parents with, with autistic children. And she's a social media manager. How I came to actually even meet Michelle, and I say meet in terms of social media because I've never met her face to face, was through a very popular page that we have, a popular Facebook page locally called Trini Moms. She's actually the, she was the chief admin and now she's at the helm of that particular page. So, Michelle, I'm going to bring you on right now. Welcome to Homeschooling Matters. Thank you so much for taking a moment to chat with us on this very important topic that you are very passionate about. So welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think you covered all of the main areas of my life. Um, I'm a mom to an 11-year-old. He's autistic. Uh, he's going to be 12 in two months' time. We homeschool. I teach yoga. I do social media management. I manage Trini Moms and Autism Spirits. And really, I'm just constantly juggling all of those balls and trying to make sure none of them fall. Yes, you're a woman of many hats like myself, so I could completely, completely relate. All right, so Michelle, what can you tell us about autism? What is it really? When we hear the word autism, it's often referred to as autism spectrum disorder. And the word spectrum is very important. Why we say that word spectrum is because there really is such a wide range of conditions and how it may manifest in someone who is autistic. But there are three commonalities. Someone who is autistic will have challenges in three particular areas. Social interaction, repetitive behaviors, and communication. Mm -hmm. 
Now, when we say they may have challenges in those three areas, one may be very pronounced, the other two not so much. You may have all three areas being very significant. You may have mild challenges in all three areas. That's where the word spectrum really comes in because nobody manifests in the same way. It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, when we're talking about those three specific categories now, you're talking about social interactions. So if we're looking at a child, for example, we're talking about their ability to communicate and to play appropriately with other children, knowing how to interact and initiate conversations at an appropriate level for their age. And we're talking about the fact that sometimes there is minimal eye contact, there may be ways that they communicate that isn't in quotation marks the norm norm, but it's their manifestation in terms of how they think is most appropriate to then interact with another child you then move on to repetitive behaviors and you're talking about having sometimes very stringent routines and when those routines are broken how does a child or even adult respond to those changes um so if they were accustomed to getting up every morning having breakfast at 7 a.m leaving the house at 7 30 a.m reaching to their location at 8 a.m and then a traffic jam happens and they can't get to their location until nine o'clock how do they then respond and adjust to those changes Mm -hmm. and with many autistics it is a huge a huge challenge for them to be able to adjust in an appropriate way. Repetitive behaviors, repetitive behaviors can also be in terms of children where they line up their items, they line up their cars, they sort things in a particular way. You might also have instances where they pace or they flap their hands. And normally those behaviors produce a calming effect but to someone who doesn't know, they see this constant hand flapping and think that it is a problem mm. or it's something is wrong with the child and mm. that isn't always the case. Okay. You then right. Um, you then move on to the third category, which is communication. And this is really a wide range because communication can be a child who is nonverbal and there may be no medical reason for the child not speaking the child is simply choosing not to speak you then may also have there is a medical issue why the child is not speaking you can then have the opposite end of the spectrum where the child is highly intellectual more so for their age i'll give a specific example with my son my son was 13 months old and he was speaking in full sentences Wow. There was no baby language, no Google, Titi, nothing like that. It was full <laughs> sentences. I, being a new mom, not really having nieces or nephews to draw experience on, thought that was normal. I thought all kids spoke at that age. Right. And it wasn't until many years later finding out that that was possibly a little warning, a little alert that should have gone off, but I missed it completely. Okay. Um, you also have, when we talk about communication, there is a particular area that a lot of autistics manifest called echolalia, which is repeating particular words or phrases. 
it might be something that they've heard another person say or a catchphrase from a movie and they constantly repeat it whether it's appropriate or not okay. um they may also do interject it into conversation but they're not really creating a conversation they're repeating the catchphrase that they heard from the movie yesterday into their discussion with you so, as you can see, there really are so many varied facets of autism, and that's why the word spectrum is so important. If you meet one person who is autistic, you have met one person who is autistic. Okay. Don't ever expect that the second person you meet is going to be very similar. It might be a completely different manifestation. Right. So in other words, don't broad brush them. Yeah? Correct. Yes. Okay, great. And so my listeners would hear me saying the autistic child, and they may be like, what, Nikki, I thought you don't label children. Let me just interject here that in speaking with Michelle and just, you know, kind of talking to her a little bit before we had this interview, I told her that I don't usually label children, that if they happen to have a challenge, it's just that, a challenge. Explain to them, please, Michelle. Sure. So this, as I did explain to you, it is really a... A very controversial topic you know do we use what is called person first language where we see the person with autism no. or do we use what's called identity first which is the autistic person many autistics have empowered their diagnosis they embrace it as a part of their being it's not something that can be removed and if it were able to be removed, it's going to change who they are. So it's a very intrinsic part of their being. And because of that, they have really pushed, and this is the community in general, you will have exceptions, but the artistic community in general have very much pushed that they prefer identity first language, where we say the autistic person, we say the autistic community, and so forth. At the end of the day, really, it's important to recognize whoever you are speaking to. So if you meet a particular individual, that person says to you, I have autism, you can ask them, have that conversation with them and ask them, how do you prefer to be referred to? And in the case of my son, he's very adamant. Autism is what makes him really special. Yeah, that's it's right. a it's huge part of his uniqueness, right. Yes, he says those exact words. He says it contributes to his uniqueness. And he prefers very much to be referred to as autistic instead of seeing him with autism. Okay. So that's, but again, we don't want to broad brush and we don't want to say that every single autistic is going to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Once you have the opportunity, have that conversation and find out what they prefer. Okay, great. So you kind of segued into parenting a child with autism. You had some markers, some indicators that you didn't really know. You missed it because you had no one to kind of piggyback off of in terms of experience. So the question I would have for you, uh, Michelle, is what is it like parenting a child with autism and how did you discover that your child was indeed autistic? So let me answer your second question first. Um, How did I discover that Joaquin was autistic? I was going through the drama of applying for primary school. And I had a long list of schools that I was looking at, and we were doing those dreaded entrance assessments. And for some reason, every single school was telling me, sorry, we don't think he's ready for primary school. 
and I couldn't understand why he was just kind of five years old at the time. As I said, this was the child of 13 months, speaking in full sentences, knew his alphabets before he was two years old, knew to count to 30 before he was two years old. He had excelled at everything. Why then were these schools telling me he wasn't ready? And I couldn't really get an answer that satisfied me. It was very big. And eventually I applied at another school and the principal observed my son for a few moments and she pulled me aside immediately and she said, has anyone ever suggested to you that your son might be autistic? And it was one of the most mind-blowing moments of my life. I had never even thought of it. Wow. I, my, even my perception of what autism was at that particular time was very distorted because she's telling me autism and I am thinking this is a death sentence for him. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to be, I, I wasn't even sure what his future was. And uh, thank God for Google, at least. <laughs> you know, I was able to go home, do some research, read up, and all of a sudden, everything started clicking into place. And it's like, oh, that lining up of the cars. Right. Those meltdowns when we left home late, mm-hmm. because he's accustomed waking up at this particular hour, using this particular toothbrush leaving the house his grandfather dropped him to preschool anytime if i had to drop him to preschool it was almost the end of the world wow because it was an aberration from his routine correct i thought it was just normal terrible twos and that sort of behavior Mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me that there was something a little more involved going on behind the scenes so that was how we sort of made that discovery. Okay. And again, uh, you know, you might raise concerns with your pediatrician, but if you're seeing something in your child and you don't even think it's a concern, you're not going to ask a question. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, and now leading into, you know, what is it like parenting a child with autism? I mean, parenting on the whole is sort of this huge mixed bag exactly it's joy it's challenges it's love it's downtime good moments yes everything yes. <laughs> and parenting an autistic child really isn't that different it's that same mixed bag mm-hmm. but with maybe a few little extra challenges but also the the moment of celebration when we achieve milestones that we weren't sure were possible and when you're pushing towards particular goals and they're achieved you know it's that same mixed bag really of emotions and joy and love and everything else right so basically i have eight children as you know and I have mm-hmm. lots of different things, different personalities and so forth that I have to deal with. And I have those moments, the up moments and the down moments, the in-between moments, the celebrations, the ones where we want to, ugh, you know, just like, okay, I need to spend two minutes in my room. Please don't disturb kind of thing moments. Yeah. Um, but you have basically the same thing, just a few extra things added in there. I hear you. Of course. I hear yeah. you completely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So what are some of the things that people, parents would take for granted that you don't have? Are there any things? Do you think you have more benefits or more down moments or just trying to be real here? 
yeah um i think one of the major things for me personally that really has stood out in this journey has been the lack of proper schooling right i hear you not just for autistics for mm-hmm. children with any particular disability and it's also the without getting too political it's the lack of acknowledgement mm-hmm. that we're not where we need to be correct absolutely because correct. i've said on many occasions unless we could acknowledge there's a problem we can't fix it that's right what's the sense looking for solution you know? if you don't even know that there are prob- or that you don't acknowledge that the problem exists correct yes mm-hmm. so that has been a huge yeah, I mean, it's led us then to homeschooling, mm-hmm. which has been a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. But it it still presents its challenges because the general socialization of an autistic child is in itself a challenge. You then have to add in homeschooling, which means you have to work harder on the socialization, which was already a challenge. Right. And you have to take homeschooling into account of someone who may not be able to learn in a traditional way so it's this whole mix of research and what methods can we try and how we're going to cover this topic all of that mixed in Mm -hmm. and it really was one of the major disappointments to me to see how lacking the system was Mm -hmm. and i think our parents of neurotypical children really do not appreciate that particular aspect. The schooling system is not perfect, but at the end of the day, you do have the option if you choose to try and change the system if you wanted, or at least know that you have that support of your child receiving an education without it being a battle. Yeah, yeah. Well, the things we really do take for granted. Okay, some of us homeschool yes. because we just choose to homeschool, but some of us, like even of course in light of the pandemic, have been forced to homeschool. And the reason why I'm raising these issues um, or challenges with children is because there are people who are seriously considering homeschooling beyond the crisis. And of course, now having spent that much more time with our children, we would discover that for those of us who weren't homeschooling before, we may discover some nuances that we never saw. Because, of course, we're shuffling from here to there and everywhere, and we didn't realize that, wait, my child is is struggling with ADHD, or my child is suffering with this particular thing, or my child may be autistic. All the little quirks, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote quirks, that you saw in him as a younger child fussing about you dropping him off to preschool when should be grandpa, or lining up the cards, the cars meticulously. And, you know, you're just thinking, oh, this child is just being fussy. Which, you know... um, I have a question here for you, Michelle. It says, I ask, what are some of the things you want people to know, understand about the uh, the autistic child? And, you know, I have been to the, the grocery store. I've been to the U.S. especially where I know there are certain, it's, it's pretty, I don't want to say it's prevalent, but I guess because it's a bigger space, you will see a lot more. Let me just put it that way. And so sometimes you see children in department stores, at the grocery stores, at Walmart, Walmart, whatever, and they're having these really, really, really terrible meltdowns. You've even seen people put memes up and share photos or videos of children having these really extreme meltdowns. And because of the little knowledge that I had of autism, it lent, it, it allowed me to say, you know what, maybe this is not normal. This is not a simple case of the terrible twos. 
even though I don't like to use that term, but it's not a simple case of just that. It is probably a child that may be battling with a particular thing or maybe an autistic child. So, Michelle, what are some of the things you want people to know or understand about the autistic child? Here's the thing, Nikki. I have experienced those meltdowns. Mm-hmm. I have been on the floor in Westmore and in Gulf City mm-hmm. holding down my child because some perceived noise or smell or something has upset him. Mm-hmm. And when you sometimes see a child or you see those awful videos of a child in a public place and they're pulling down stuff off the shelf and they're lashing out at a parent or something like that. They have lost the ability to control their emotions, to control their responses. That is not who they are. Right. They are having a bad moment. Mm-hmm. We all have bad moments. Okay? And at three or four years old, Sometimes even as adults, we don't always handle those bad moments in the best way. So why then do we judge a three-year-old or a four-year-old for not having the tools that they needed to navigate that situation? Exactly. You know, seeing those videos at times, honestly, is so upsetting to me because... As I said, that isn't who the child is. And especially and when people what... are, sorry to cross you, Michelle, but especially when people no. are ignorant of the reality of autism and what it entails, then they, you know, immediately go down the rabbit hole of, oh, that child has absolutely no behavior, which may be the truth in some instances. We're not saying that every child that has no behavior mm-hmm. is because of autism, right? But, yes. you know, we really don't know, and so we should withhold judgment until we know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... I think the most important thing I would love parents to understand is sometimes simply lend an ear. You know, do you need help? Is there anything I can do? Exactly. You know, to help maybe sometimes diffuse that situation. Mm -hmm. There was an incident that had happened and my son was about four years at the time. It was actually just before we discovered he was autistic. So I did not know exactly what his triggers were and stuff. And we had gone to Gulf City uh, Christmas time. So there's huge lights and noise and there's so many people and everything is this whole cluster of sensory, just everything loud. And he started saying he wanted to leave. And I was like, yeah, sure, we're going just now, we're going just now. And it led then to the meltdown. And it was only when he's literally on the floor crying and starts to punch himself that I realized, okay, this isn't normal. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to keep him safe. I really didn't care if anybody thought negative of me or of him at that particular point. I just need to keep him safe. I'm juggling my handbag, about four or five shopping bags, his grandfather had gone to drop something to the car, so it was literally me. And I'm trying not to let him run away from me. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to bolt. Yeah. And so the only option really was all of these bags, and I'm bear hugging him on the ground, you know? You must and have been a sight. 
I mean, yeah. I can laugh now, but it, I, I mean, actually, my heart was just breaking for you. No, I mean, I can laugh. I can laugh at it now as well. And there was one particular part of it, though, that stood out for me. I saw this gentleman walking towards us. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's coming to say something completely out of the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to trip on him. And instead, he walked up to us. He knelt down on the ground and he looked at me and he asked, can I give him a toy truck? Wow. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> he pulled the toy truck out from behind his back. Mm-hmm. And that was all we needed. Wow. It gave us those few minutes for my son to calm down. Mm-hmm. And I was able then, okay, let's go and find grandpa, let's get to the car, and we can leave. Right. Being so, able to take his focus off of the issue and put it on something yes. else. Awesome. awesome. And then afterwards, the thing is, what other parents need to understand is that we're not ignoring, if it's a disciplinary issue, we're not ignoring it. Mm-hmm. We're just acknowledging that it can't be dealt with at this particular point in time. Yes. And the priority has to always be keeping your child safe, regardless of whether they're autistic or not. Absolutely. You always need to keep your children safe, give them that safe zone, and then you can explore what needs to be discussed further, what needs to be disciplined, mm-hmm. and move forward. Mm-hmm. So do, does so it get better with age? Oh, sorry, does it get better with age as they get older? Being able to handle or manage those meltdowns or the triggers and so forth. I mean, now that you know, right, and I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you afterwards, how do you find out as a parent? A, a parent may be listening right now and saying, oh my gosh, that's my child, you know. How do they discover their triggers and so forth? But before we go into that, it does it get better as they get older, you know? Them being I don't able want to, to say manage. it's better, okay. but it gets different. Okay. okay. Okay, so that might be a slightly weird um, analogy, but here's what I'm going to say. Most of the time, your child will need support. They may need therapy. They may need some form of intervention. The more that you as a parent learn means that you're going to be able to know their triggers a little easier mm-hmm. so then you know how to navigate them you know what you need to avoid what maybe you can work around as an example my son still hates loud crowded places my all my children hate loud crowded places <laughs> <laughs> so for us if we have to go to the shopping mall we go as they open mm-hmm. when it's quiet mm-hmm. he can handle that Trying to take him on a Saturday evening, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it is going to result in a meltdown. Right. So, it isn't so much, but then, as they get older, we're going into teenagers, you're dealing with puberty, you're dealing with hormones. If they are in a typical school setting, you might be dealing with peer pressure. And all of these manifest in any child. You have to figure out how to navigate those circumstances. In an autistic child, you have to figure out how to navigate those circumstances with their particular challenges, their rigidity to routine, their quirks, their steadfastness to particular circumstances. So, it, as I said, it gets, you have huge moments where light bulbs go off and you figure out how to do certain things and then a new challenge pops up. And you sort of eventually reach this routine of going with the flow and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. You know, he's 11 now. The challenges that we had when he was 5 and 6, 
and the challenges that he has at 11 years old. Right. It's it's a constantly evolving roller coaster. Right. So you have to kind of go with the ebb and flow of the entire thing, you know, discover correct. and discover and, and, and work to suit. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so the next question I was going to ask you was, is there, I know we're going to talk a little bit about your support group really quickly, but I want to find out, mm-hmm. is there somewhere, where do you take a child if you've seen, recognized some quirks, some differences, some nuances, things you discovered during this time, especially of lockdown, as we've been spending more time with our children, is there someone or a place that people can go to get their children assessed to figure out in this particular case, um, if their child is autistic? So, with respect to a medical diagnosis, there are only three developmental pediatricians in the country. Okay. And those are the three individuals who can specifically identify if your child is autistic or if there's something else perhaps going on. Mm -hmm. Um, They all have private practices. They do work in the public sector as well, but the public sector waiting list is a bit long. if you are in South, it is a lot faster to get through than in Monto. So that should be perhaps your first option. You know, if you have a private pediatrician, talk to your pediatrician with your concerns and see what their opinion is. They can guide you really in terms of what is developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. and if what you're seeing is an indication okay for this particular of particular age or yeah. if we need to investigate a little bit further. Okay. And then you could explore the option with a developmental pediatrician if that becomes necessary. Your other option is if you are looking more for the psychological aspect, you can consult with a child psychologist who can assess your child for autism, for ADHD, for those particular disorders. That would not be a medical diagnosis, but again, it would still give you some direction in terms of how to move forward. With Joaquin, he was seen by a child psychologist and that was how we determined really where he was and where we what we needed to do to move forward okay okay all right so let's talk a little bit about your support group for parents because when you discovered as you were telling me you know it was something that was new to you and you didn't have the support so i love that when life gave you quote-unquote lemons you made lemonade or you grew your own when life didn't even give you a lemon you would grow your own as my good friend bridget mack would say but what um, support do you offer to parents? Because you realize that there wasn't anything really. And so you wanted to be that voice for autism. So you advocate, you formed a support group. Tell us a little bit about autis- the autistic spirit, that page that you formed, that community. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, when, I, when the word autism first popped, was first presented to me, I didn't know anything. And I did go through a particular period of time where it felt very hopeless and very, very concerning, Mm -hmm. not having the answers. And I really didn't want other parents to feel that way. So I had originally, as you mentioned, I'm the main administrator on Trini Moms. I had reached out on Trini Moms, listen, I need some advice here. And through Trini Moms, met some fabulous, fabulous parents who were able to guide me. One of those individuals, Tracy Hutchinson Wallace, is the individual that we co-founded this group with. Um, Our support has been very virtual for the most part. Mm -hmm. We have campaigned on particular issues 
last year we were part of a joint select committee representing the autistic community and other disabilities in terms of improving the facet of education for persons with disabilities and we have also petitioned the ministry of education for improvements to uh the whole educational System. foundation mm -hmm. yes um but our main area really is being able to reach out to people online and provide information so when you don't know what autism is take a read of this article see if this helps you when you don't know, is this a concern? We give them sources of information that could help alleviate the concerns. When they do get the diagnosis, again, the more you can learn is the more you're going to be able to support your child. Because at the end of the day, you as a parent have to be the biggest advocate possible for your child. That's correct. Nobody else can do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... Yeah, that has been where our main source reaching out to people has been. And um, we will continue to advocate again publicly, though, through podcasts, through television, through Facebook, social media, to really allow more people. We also believe very strongly that persons with disabilities need the support of the larger community, the people who are not affected. We can't do it on our own, so we need that support system. We need more people to be aware of what autism is and how can they help creating a more unified front to move matters forward. Exactly. You know, we've come away from long ago where they would say it takes a village to raise a child and we've become so myopic we've become so self-centered almost you know we just it's yes. just about us and about our family and if it doesn't affect us well we don't really give two hoots and we shouldn't be mm -hmm. like that i mean i have my large family and i am still able to by god's grace invite people over i have my own homeschool group that i facilitate here we, we used to do it every two weeks right i'll have them over to my home all the families with their children so we have that social interaction that kind of thing happening there you know and that's the only really um thing that i do of course i'm very involved in my church and different things but you know i look out for my neighbors but i have found generally in this era of social media and connectivity i find people have i wrote about it in one of my blogs it's just so uncanny that we are doing the reverse of what we claim to be promoting so we're promoting connectivity and 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 social everything is social this social that so but yet still people are becoming more anti-social people are proud to be introverts and stuff go ahead okay i am an introvert sorry i really am <laughs> but i do agree with you that disconnected feeling of being connected yeah it's a complete oxymoron it is however i will say i have met online some of the most amazing people including yourself well i'm not going to say i'm not going to say what i have to concur because i can say the same thing we've never met face to face we've only communicated via whatsapp email and and through trini moms and that's about it but I already, you know. And you create these bonds, however, with people that you've never met in life. So I really do believe that social media is what you want it to be and what you make it. Correct. And if you want to create those really amazing bonds, mm -hmm. it is out there. It is possible. You know? I do agree. I do yeah. agree. You know, but what I don't um, agree with, 
is when people go out together and on the, they're on a phone connecting oh with people gosh, who are yeah. not in their presence. That's a problem for me. <laughs> yes, I hear you on that one. Okay. So is there anything else you want to add before we close? Anything else? How could people find you, the page, etc.? I know I gave the name. You gave the name as well. But just to make sure that they can find support if they need it. Yes, so Autism Spirit, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have a private Facebook group, which is specifically for parents or grandparents, aunts, uncles. So if you have a child who is autistic and you want that more intimate ability to enter, to get information, we have a private Facebook group. We are also on Instagram and on Twitter. And um, people can look for my name as well on Facebook, Michelle Foreman. Once you kind of send me a little note that you want to send me a friend request, I have absolutely no concern with it. And lots of people jump in my inbox and ask me for information. And as much as I can share, I will do. We also have our email address. is very simple, autismspirit at gmail.com. So you can pop us a line there and let us know what you need. And we will really try to see how we can at least find the answers to you, point you in the right direction. Okay, that's great. Um, I really, really do appreciate your advocacy and I'm sure Joaquin appreciates it as well, as well as all the parents and families that you're helping through the autism spirit. So thanks so much for joining me here today, Michelle. Thank you. I'm sure my listeners would have gleaned a lot of information um, from our little exchange, our little powwow here today. And I look forward to continued in social media interaction hopefully at some point in time real time face to face <laughs> interaction yes, with you michelle in spite of the fact that you're obviously an introvert and i am an extrovert <laughs> we will we, chat we, michelle. We, can, we can influence each other i guess <laughs> okay thanks so much for joining us thanks nikki